when you're feeling any feeling that's making you feel less than, then that's not your true self. Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm Leanna. I'm Jared. We have a treat for you guys today. Yeah, this great was, interview. Yeah, this was such a special interview with Natasha Levenger. Who is a energy healer, energy reader and healer, and a person who teaches people how to do inner child healing. Yeah, and it's yeah. such a beautiful conversation. And of course, like... We were excited for us. <laughs> we, yeah, we made it all about us at one point, like like we do. Yeah, but, but she shares her a little bit of her story of how she got in it, got into it, and she shares about her workshops that she has um, that help people really heal as well. And it's really, I just, it's a beautiful interview. Yeah, and if you're sitting there being like inner child, like get out of here with that, like. You, you you should just listen because everybody needs inner child healing, I think. Well, it's, yeah, and, and just to like, I guess if you don't want to use the word inner child, it's just like heart healing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then just for some housekeeping stuff. Let's do it. Head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating, a review if you have time. Every review and rating helps the show grow. You can also rate on Spotify now. We'd really appreciate that. We have merch on our website. So www.hellogoodbyepodcast.com mm slash -hmm. shop. You can check out our merch. If you're a Patreoni, yep. you get 15% off merch. So if you are interested in that, then go over to patreon.com slash hello and goodbye podcast. And that is a way to support our show directly with a month monthly pledge. Lowest, t lowest level is $3 a month. Um, one thing we announced last week is that on our Patreon, we're gonna have more regular updates to the bonus content there, uh, where we will be talking about all of our favorite dating and relationship reality shows. So, Bachelor, Love, Love is, is blind. blind. Thank you. We'll probably like, I'm sure F-Boy Island is coming back. Oh yeah. I can give Joe Millionaire updates. <laughs> I think I'm still the only person in the country watching it. No one has hit me up to be like, yo, I'm watching. But you know, the best reason to join the Patreon is because then you get to call yourself a Patreoni. 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 Yes. <laughs> anyway, and then we want to talk about our sponsor, VFresh. You can head to vfresh.com, V-E-E, -E, um, and use code HELLO2022 for 10% off your first order. And it's a woman-owned company, and they provide products that help women take back their vaginal health and empower women. And it's a product, it's products, products, plural, that I use weekly. Mm -hmm. um, and I use the V Gentle on my face now, and my face is clear. <laughs> and I use the Boric suppositories to help prevent infections and just cannot recommend their product enough. So again, head over to vfresh.com, V-E-E, fresh.com, and use code HELLO2022 at checkout for 10% off. Okay. Okay. We have some updates because we left you guys on like a cliffhanger. Yeah. Last week. So first of all, we did our BDSM tests. That's right. And we got the results. Yeah. Do you want to share your result? Yeah. So uh, what was your top result? Okay. Well, I know this is going to be shocking to you guys, mm -hmm. but my highest percentage, 83% was... 
That's great. Um, so if you're not sure what we're talking about, so BDS, BDSM. So we talked about last week on our episode with Cammy and Nikki from the Double Team Podcast about kinks. And they had mentioned that you can go to a website. BDSMtest.org. And figure out maybe what your kinks are in. Yes. And this is, and I will say like this is particular to BDSM. So different types of like power play stuff, like dom submissive stuff. And, and so it's mostly that. So there's other things that people, well, but also like exhibitionism and voyeurism mm -hmm. and stuff. There's other things people could be into that aren't on this list, but it was an interesting experience. Yeah. So I'll just go through mine really quick and then okay. how about we'll just do like our top five. Sure. Okay. So I'm like 83% vanilla. 79% submissive. That's no surprise. 52% mm -hmm. um, rope bunny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which means you want to be tied up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 37% exhibitionist. What is that one? Uh, like other people watching. Possibly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think like I actually want them to watch, but I think maybe the risk. Yes. Of them watching is yes. more of my thing. And then 35% experimentalist. And I think what that means is I'm like maybe kind of open to like. Yeah, like trying stuff. trying different yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my top one is switch, which means like I like to be the dominant one at times. And I like my partner to be the dominant one at mm -hmm. times. So it's not like, you know, vanilla means I think like never doing any of that like power play stuff. Yeah. And so I like doing it both ways, right? Um, then also my top five, I also had experimentalist. Uh, I have both rope bunny and rigor, which Oh, like, rigor would be doing the tying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, that sounds fun either way. Yeah. Like yeah. you want to tie me up and rock my world. Cool. Uh, yeah. Otherwise I, I can do that for you. Yeah. I don't like, want to do the tying. <laughs> <laughs> I tie my shoes. That's enough. Yeah, that's funny. But I also had uh, uh, vanilla is up there and uh, submissive is up there. Yeah. And if this is turning you on, go back to last week's episode mm -hmm. if you haven't listened to it um, because it's it's such a cool episode. Oh, and it's so funny because they talked about uh, being a bratty sub, uh, Cammy and Nikki. In the, and so I have... Uh, I have both brat and brat tamer on my list. Oh, okay. And like, what it, what what would be like a brat? It was like the some. Of I the, forget. Some of the items were like, um, you're being submissive, but sort of like talking back oh. and being like uh, uncooperative sometimes. But oh yeah, like eventually giving oh, in yeah. kind of thing. See, I'm always usually cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it's really interesting. Like some of the items that were. You know, like, I think the one that got me such a high rank of switch is like, you know, because it's like a Likert scale from strongly disagree to strongly agree. So one of them was I could be sexually submissive now and be sexual, sexually dominant another time, either to the same or to another partner. And I was like, strongly agree, mm. you know, and then there's one that was like living with a group of slaves owned by me and serving me would be my ultimate life goal. <laughs> and that <laughs> would be a definitely no. I feel like that would be too much responsibility for me. <laughs> and like I had to like manage all these feelings. Yeah. So yeah. if you guys are hearing this and then want to go do your own test, yeah. you go to bdsmtest.org. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am in Costa Rica right now. Yes. Like legit in Costa Rica. Obviously, we're recording this before um, because I wanted to be able to just be in Costa Rica and focus on the 20,000 classes that I am teaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure I'm having an amazing time. If you want to 
you know, kind of see what I'm up to, go to my Instagram at underscore Leanna Jones. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see all the, like, updates and pictures. And yeah. That. And then um, you're getting ready for a big weekend. Okay. You want to so, tell us? Yeah. So the update. So I've been, like, talking with this person. And obviously, like, Leanna, you've been wisely counseling, like, you know, like, taking things slow and, you know, recognizing that, obviously, like, the only way to get to know someone is, like, through like over time right mm -hmm. and so we've been in some ways doing that in other ways like it's hard when you you know really like somebody mm -hmm. but uh yeah i have a trip planned to fly to like the middle of the country which is where this person lives and just to see so we're just yeah. gonna do like a little weekend trip yeah so and i i have another trip coming up to see some friends from back east so i'm like traveling on like back-to-back -back weeks um so it's gonna be busy but how are you feeling uh i mean i'm really excited to like see yeah you know yeah and like it's so funny because i was talking with her about love is blind after i had mm -hmm. watched the finale and i something came up and i was like explaining the like deep d shake thing mm -hmm. and i'm like well yeah and like you know in some ways you can't be mad at someone mm -hmm. because they're not feeling that attraction, you know, mm -hmm. and whatever. And we were, we were just having an interesting conversation about it. And then I was like, that might happen to us. Yeah. You know, and it's like, neither one of us thinks that's going to happen. I mean, obviously we've like spent time together over FaceTime, mm -hmm. uh, but you never know. Well, and if it does happen, something that we learn from our inner child talk with Natasha is maybe sometimes that actually we aren't not attracted. Yeah, that's but true. it's our intimacy fear or inner child being like, this is scary. I don't want to do this. Yeah. So wow. it's like good to maybe explore that. Yeah. Look at you really and, applying all the wisdom. And have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited for you, especially since you've been a virgin for a year. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you think, i might have like think... given i might have like given some disclaimers oh okay like you're not gonna have sex no i mean i don't know i'm like i'm open to either way okay like, but like if you guys do have sex do you think you're gonna come in like a minute pro I mean, probably <laughs> well i think like that's the thing though like and i think this is the danger that you've been talking about when you've been talking to someone and it's all built up before you really like know mm -hmm. each other and stuff is like, now there's going to be probably like a lot of feelings of like pressure or anxiety, mm -hmm. probably on both parts, but I know for me. Right. And so it's kind of like, Hey, I might be nervous, which, you know, like, yeah, could be like coming too soon or not at all. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And well, like, just to like, I don't know if this gives you any peace or anything. And, and I don't know if every woman like agrees with me, but like, I just kind of expect that the first time isn't going to be amazing. You know, like I just, to me, it's like the sex gets better as you feel more comfortable with each yes. other and you get to know each other. And in the beginning, it's just kind of fun. And it's, it's maybe vanilla. And it's just kind of like, you're just touching the surface and you want to have sex all the time. And it isn't necessarily like the best sex you've ever had. Mm-hmm. But it's more about having fun and getting to know the person. And I never think I've I, only one time in my life has I been like, that was the worst sex I've ever had, hmm. you know, but yeah. like it, I've always been kind of open minded and 
try and like take into consideration that like we don't really know each other and you know like just to kind of so I don't know if that makes you feel better as well but I feel like women I feel like men maybe take that on more than women are actually thinking yeah and I think I uh, that's actually a really good point and I think for me I'm not like sitting here nervous about it yeah but i think like i know myself enough that like sort of when i get in that moment i might get a little in my head and so you know that is helpful to remember but i'm also someone who really believes like when we were interviewing holly brown holly brown yeah um and talking about like how you know one of the biggest if not the only foundations of like having good sex with someone is just connection, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the cool yeah. things is like just kind of like, yeah, like just being in the moment with the person, like playing and exploring mm-hmm. and seeing what feels right in that moment. And I think we both have like that approach and some comfort level and trust level with each other to the extent it's possible, obviously not having yeah. met. Uh, so who knows? Well, it's interesting, you know, this conversation, cause I do want to get into like talking about what's going on with me. I know you also situation. left us on a cliffhanger. <clears throat> I know. So last episode I had kind of talked that I was feeling some avoidance of like not feeling the attractive feelings anymore, mm-hmm. getting in my head, being scared of like him really liking me. And, um, I did, you know, he called me out on something. He was like, I didn't really like when you said this and we talked Mm -hmm. about it. And then I said on the phone, you know, I think maybe one of the reasons I said that is I'm like trying to push you away because I'm freaking out. And he was like, okay. And so we kind of talked about it and it didn't really stop him from reaching out. And I kind of wish that he had, I, at that point, like I was needing more space. Mm. And so he kind of kept reaching out, not in like a needy way, but just like mm. in the way that we had been talking. Yeah. So it wasn't like, and like unreasonable for him to be like, Hey, do you want to meet up for coffee? Or, mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to hang out tomorrow? Like, cause we had been doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and something about us is like the sex that we have had is awkward. I mean, but not in like a bad way. Like it's good sex. Like mm-hmm. we're both, you know, we're exploring each other, but it's not this like suave, like, you know, like <laughs> kind of like in the moment romantic take. Yeah. It's like very like, oh, okay. Do you want me to turn over? Do you want me to do this? Oh, where should we go? <laughs> and it's very like, we're both kind of quirky and awkward. That's kind of sweet. It actually. is very sweet. Yeah. And so what I was going to say too, like to that point, is like, it doesn't have to be this like suave, like I'm going to take oh, you and like, you yeah. know, it's almost like more, it's almost more fun to just kind of talk to each other as it's happening. Yeah. I mean, not the whole time, but yeah. like to be like, I don't know, it makes it more open. Yes. And so, and so all that to say is like his kind of quirkiness hasn't been a turnoff for mm. me. Okay. But in going through all of this, so basically, so I had, I had said to him, I'm freaking out. And then he continued to kind of reach out, yeah. which is like, okay, you know, yeah. but I was needing space and I was feeling a little suffocated and feeling like my feelings had changed about the situation. And he had asked me, he was like, cause he's training for a marathon, but his knees kind of bothering him. So he wanted to take a day off mm. and he, and I keep talking about this hike that I, it's not really a hike. It's like a three mile flat walk mm-hmm. in Redlands, but it's oh, like yeah. a little bit of elevation. And yeah. I kept talking about that. So he contacted me and was like, 
do you want to do that with me? And I, I kind of didn't. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to be like, no, I think I'm going to stay in tonight and, like, yeah. avoid the okay. situation. Okay. But it was like, no, I actually, I think it's, I think we should talk. I think we okay. should, I should get together with him and, and talk more about what I'm feeling. So we, you know, we kind of get together and we start walking and I don't remember what prompted it, but he said something. I was like, hey, on that note, like, can we talk about something? And I basically just said, I am dealing with my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And I felt like you were getting really excited about me. Mm -hmm. And I am started freaking out and I'm still freaking out. And I need right now, I need some space and I need to take sex off the table. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, I really value your friendship and I like you, but I think that I just, I'm just experiencing just a fear of intimacy right now. And it's, it's just kind of, it's not anything you've done. Mm. It's all my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kept kind of being like, how does that make you feel? Like, how are you feeling? And he's like, he's like, okay. He was just like, like I, you know, like as long as I'm not doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And mm. he was just like, of course, he was like, of course I want to have sex. He's mm. like, but if you don't want to, I'm not going to like, you know, yeah. that's not going to change anything about how I feel about you and how I feel about our friendship. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I still want you in my life. Like, I, I value our time together. And then he basically was like, I can be patient. Wow. And he basically, what he did is he held space for me. Yeah. He held space for me. And, you know, at the end, like, we didn't kiss. Like, I just gave him a hug because I'm like, I need to, I'm not going to give him mixed signals. I'm not going to be like, I need space and then, like, make out with him. Yeah, sure. You know? And um, and I was like, maybe just let me reach out to you. And he's like, okay. And I was like, okay. And then I, like, texted him when I got home. I was like, I was just, I was like, hey, I really appreciate you. Yeah. And he's like, I appreciate you too. And then, like, it's just been, it. I feel so much better and I feel like, a weight is lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll go back to doing a casual relationship, but but I what I do know is like I found a friend who like values me and values mm. my space. And um and he I know that I'm changing and I know that I'm growing because I'm attracting someone like him mm-hmm. into my life. Wow. So okay, so at the moment when you're on this walk together and you share with him like it's just my own stuff. I'm pulling away. Like, and he reacts in the way that he did. Like, how did you feel in that moment? Relief. Yeah. Just like immediately, like Natasha, we talk a little bit about it in the, in the episode, but Natasha said, did you immediately feel attracted to him again? And I said, yeah, like almost immediately. Now Mm. it didn't make me want to like jump his bones, you know, all over again, because I'm trying to like, I also want to hold his heart. Like I want to, protect Mm -hmm. yeah and not protect him but like just be like i'm not gonna go mix signal on you i'm not gonna be like i need space and then like let's live together and then experience the same thing and it's like i need space and then because i've had that done to me Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so i'm just giving it time and um i just really appreciate him i know he's in my life as a friend Uh and if we continue hooking up or whatever 
then I also feel safe with him in that aspect. Okay. That, you know. Um, but right now you don't have interest in resuming that? I don't know. I'm, I'm like on the fence. Okay. I'm on the fence because I'm a little nervous that I will have the same reaction. Like if I sleep with him again, that I might uh, have the same reaction mm -hmm. and then pull back again. Yeah. And I don't. I because I it's hard because it's like I know we're not going to end up together. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. So it's tricky mm -hmm. because I know to be honest, he'd probably be perfectly fine mm -hmm. <laughs> with it. I mean, he obviously wants to have sex, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think it's he's like, like he's like he's like don't do me any favors by not having sex. Right. With me. Right. Like. Right. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm huh. I kind of go back and forth that I I think you know obviously I'm in Costa Rica as this episode errors but this is before Costa Rica when we record it and I kind of me kind of part of me wants to just not sleep with him yeah like week. let it be until let it be after. until I go do my yeah. retreat yeah so I think mm. that's where I'm at wow yeah keep us posted I will oh my gosh you guys the next episode you're gonna hear about Jared's weekend <laughs> we're gonna hear about when you got home from Costa Rica and immediately called this guy to <laughs> hook up um, okay, guys, we'll enjoy this interview. We'll see you at the end. Okay, well, we have such a special guest on the show today. She is an energy healer, reader, and inner child healing teacher. She's also the co-host of Magic Monday podcast. Please welcome Natasha Levenger. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's kind of a fun story of how I found you. Oh, um, yeah. one, of, one of our listeners reached out because she was very concerned about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love and, that. Yeah, and she you know, gave me some tips on, because she kind of went through the same thing that I go through. Oh. And she gave me some tips on how she's really healed and gotten better. And oh. one of the things was she recommended your inner child healing workshop. Oh, that's, I'm so curious what you're going through, but I know it's not into it. Yeah, no, yeah. we will definitely get into it at some point, <laughs> Natasha. In all of okay. our interviews, we just start peppering the guests with questions about like our problems. Yeah, it's really for us. us. <laughs> Great. I'm here for it. Well, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So um, how I came to do what I do, which is, I will just say, I am um, an energy reader and healer for one-on-one -on -one sessions, which is means that I look at people's energy. I'm not a therapist, but it's kind of like therapy in the sense that... Um, People come to me and tell me what's going on for them. And then I kind of look at it on a 3D level, like, where's this coming? What's the source of it? Where's the source of the wound? What's coming up? And I look at the energy in that way. And every since I started, almost every session, the inner child comes up because the inner child, I mean, we have many different inner child parts, but it's they're living in the past, in past trauma or past events, and they're in our energy field. So, um, yeah, so that's what I do. I'll just preface that. And then how I came to it was um, the original source was probably my mother, who was a narcissist. And mm. so that's like the source of a lot of my wounding from the past. And mm -hmm. so for me, I mean, people throw around that word a lot now, and it's kind of like 
can I don't mean it in the colloquial way, like just an asshole or something. Mm-hmm. I hope I can swear in. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cuss away. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but she really, I was, I was raised in a way where I had to please her or I wasn't safe. Like it was mm. very all about pleasing her. And around age 11, I stopped pleasing her <laughs> for mm. various reasons. So, um, yeah, so that was um, like the origin story, so to speak. And then when I was about 21, I got into a relationship with a narcissist and it brought up all that old stuff again. And I felt very, I felt like I couldn't leave because my worth was so tied to him. Um and I also felt like I couldn't stay. It was very much a, like, I'm miserable here, but I feel empty when I, if I were to leave. So at that point, I decided I'm going to do whatever I can to heal myself so I can be strong enough to leave this relationship that wasn't serving me. Mm. Um, he wasn't physically abusive, but it was just very emotionally um, abusive and bad for my self-esteem. Um, so that's when I went into therapy for a little bit and I found inner child work and that's when I first started to do that. And I built myself up enough to then feel safe leaving and it did take three years, but, um, yeah, so that was the first part. And then also I am from Palo Alto, which is at the time now it's maybe not like this, but at the time it's kind of a hippie. There was definitely a like allowance for, I, what I'm trying to say is I would see psychics and, <laughs> and energy healers uh, and stuff like yeah. that. It was like very much um, a part of my world at that point. Um, so that was already happening. And to help me heal with my mom, I started meditating. And so that part was already happening. But then cut ten to 10 years later, and I was in another relationship that wasn't serving me. That was more of a covert narcissist situation. But um, that's when I was like, I really want to learn how to do this stuff for myself so that I'm not just like, um, I mean, if I could have, I would have just parked myself in my, um, energy healers <laughs> office and never left. I was like, help me clear out this person. I was just very enmeshed with him and I'm not trying to blame the people. I mean, they are who they are, but, um, I definitely was there for all the reasons that I already said, but I wanted to take responsibility for that and clear out my energy and feel very separate. So that part was another huge um, transformation for me was learning how to separate my energy from his and have boundaries. And that's when like the inner child healing and the energy healing really clicked for me because I could take care of myself using the inner child work and my energy was clear of his energy. So I felt like, okay, this is me. I know what I want. I was able to hear my own information instead of doubting myself all the time. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's the story. <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, it's very powerful and thank you so much for being open and sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if I feel like, I know this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I feel like narcissism and gaslighting and all that is kind of like a buzzword right now. Right. And I'm wondering if you could explain maybe like in depth of what it actually is. Yeah. Well, so from my perspective, it's interesting because I also see people who have narcissism and 
Mm. It's interesting for me to see it from a non-judgmental <laughs> place because, you know, when you're in that relationship, it's really easy to get into judgment or when you witness it. But basically what it is, is that they have a lot of pictures, I would say, or beliefs around um, how they're perceived. And it's very rigid. Oftentimes things are very black or white. So you're either the worst person in the world or you're amazing and you're the best person and for them they have to believe that kind of separate not kind of they do separate themselves and the world into these categories um in order to feel safe so i'm trying to think of another way to um, bring that into real life um like how that looks in real life but basically for me being raised that way um, my mom would only love me if I fit her parameters. So like what she thought was okay, which was being very successful in many ways, because she would mm. judge anybody who wasn't, you know, every other people were like a loser or the worst. Um, does that make sense? Is that mm -hmm. helpful? To yeah, I feel like we've talked about it before. And it's this like, sort of, you know, you think of narcissism as ego, and it is right. in some ways, but it's also, it comes from this like very deep, like fragility and like lack yes. of sense of self. You're so desperate to prove that you're not worthless. Right. It becomes this endless pursuit to prove that like, I'm the best thing in the universe. And, yeah. And, and it also, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go. But that's a, that's a great point. It's really a protect all of those beliefs are to protect them from having to be not to look at anything that doesn't seem perfect in themselves, yeah. you yeah. know, and it's actually, you know, sad. I do have a lot of mm -hmm. empathy for people who yeah. have that for me. What I've noticed is it's oftentimes ruled by like a tantruming inner child who can't handle any kind of criticism and needs everything to be a certain way, or they feel they're going to, fall apart they're not going to be safe mm -hmm. um yeah and the gaslighting element comes into play whenever it's um i mean how would i i'm trying to think of good examples but it's when you don't fit with well they're denying your reality i mean that's what gaslighting is if you're saying um i feel a certain way and they're saying i didn't do that like that's a good example mm -hmm. of gaslighting um they, because they can't stand to look at themselves making a mistake i mean to use my mother as an example if i would say i'm feeling this way you know you i feel like my feelings are hurt because of something you did she would say well i guess i'm a terrible mother you know, it wouldn't be any kind of, yeah. and that's not exact. It's like, what? Well, so now it's on me. I'm somehow calling her a terrible mother, but really I'm just trying to tell her how I'm feeling. Yeah. So that's like a more subtle way, but it is turning the tables. It's if she could have said more, she would have said, I'm a, oh, I guess I'm a terrible mother and I can't do anything right. But really she's saying I'm doing everything right. And I just can't please you, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so it doesn't allow for conversation and to really hear, well, how are you feeling? What do you mean you're feeling this way? How can I, you know, let me look at what I'm doing. She had no capacity to look at what she was doing. Mm. Do you think, I know this is like super on a tangent, but like, do you think that part of that is the baby boomer like an even older generation of like they weren't allowed to have feelings really and 
like, cause I, I noticed like both of my parents, I, I wouldn't say they're narcissists at all, but mm-hmm. neither one of them know how to have a conversation about their feelings, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if, and if I have a conversation about my feelings, they don't know what to do with it, you right. know? Yeah. And I, you know, not, not, uh, dis, un, um, dismissing dis- your in, relationship with your mom, but I wonder if like, just like that older generation. And then if, and then if you grow up in a family where you're like, that you don't talk about your feelings at all. Like, I think that's where a lot of the issues come up in relationships because then we don't know how to talk about our feelings. And then we're having to unlearn and relearn. And then we end up meeting people who replay the pain and trauma that we went through as children. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just one. I do think, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I mean, I think there's two different things, right? There's people who can't talk about their feelings because they're sort of cut off from them, which I think is sort of separate from narcissism. And there's some research. Oh, for that sure. Shows, yeah, I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, there's, there's, you know, a lot of research that shows, like, narcissism has been, like, on the increase over a number mm. of years. And, like, some people point to, like, so, like, the generation I was raised in was, like, right when, uh, like, maybe maybe like people a few years after me was like right in the heart of like self-esteem being everything mm. and mm. you know like for kids and parenting and stuff like that oh like do you like mean like if- they had to do things in order to feel good about them like you had to yeah like everything and- was like you know to raise a healthy child they need to have self-esteem and oh. you know and like, so and like even if they lose they still get the trophy kind of, kind thing. of yeah thing. yeah and the interesting uh, like um, there's a woman named Kristen neff who does some really cool research around self like compassion yeah like self-compassion is actually the better construct because yes it's a good thing to take if a kid is like feeling worthless like that's not healthy for a kid you don't you never want children to feel that way but if it if the if the antidote to that is the kid thinking I am great I am special, that also then puts all of this pressure to like achieve outward results to prove that to yourself. Mm. Right. Well, it makes it so that if they're not great, if they feel like they're not great, then their world's going to fall apart, or yep. they're not. Yeah, they're, it's just yep. not going to be okay if they're not getting that. But. I feel like getting trophies is not going to create narcissism in the way that I'm talking about it. You know, especially if you have parents who are like, here's a trophy, but also you're cool either way, like whatever happens, you're fine. I mean, that to me is more like trying to build someone. It's true if you're building them up only if they're achieving. Yeah, that is going to make them feel fragile inside, which I think really, like you were saying before, is the heart of narcissism is yeah. this fragility where it's like, if I'm not looking a certain way a lot or being a certain way, or my body looks a certain way, then I'm, then I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, yeah. and, and like, but then if it's only, or if it's only like contingent approval, right. If the right. only time you get affection and approval is when you've done something, And then what, along with that, what is absent is actual attunement. Yes. Right. Is actual sort of being seen and understood and having your needs like seen and cared for and met, right? Like when that piece is missing and it's all kind of image and it's all, you know, um, I love you if you're perfect, Yeah, you know, then. um, Well, that is how I was raised. 
um, was I could. Yeah, exactly what you just said is how I was raised. I don't think I'm a narcissist, but you know what? We all have narcissism. That's the other thing. Sure. It's a spectrum. It really is. And I think it's troublesome when you are rejecting other people or you feel hyper um, aware of how you're performing, like just if hanging out with friends and like you have to look a certain way and be a certain way or you're not going to, um, you know, be loved. But it is all on such a spectrum because you can also have that wounding and not I not be attacking other people or have it be sure. detrimental to other people. Yeah. So, so is, I guess the main, is the main difference just kind of like, what are you laughing at? Keep going. What are you laughing at? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we, we need, I'm I'm trying to figure out how we're going to dig ourselves out of this rabbit hole. And you just keep going like deeper. But this is like really interesting interesting. conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People are interested in narcissism. And I think that is why it's gotten over. um, You know, I think it's, like people use that word incorrectly a lot because people mm-hmm. are so interested in it and also just want to maybe call people that and then excuse their own behavior sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I but, guess the what I'm he- hearing you say, and like from what I've seen too, is like, I guess the difference in how I'm seeing this, so you can tell me if this is wrong or right, is like narcissism, like doesn't want to hear you out at all. Like doesn't want to see your side of it. Right. They're always right. If, if, if like, if they think they might be wrong, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to acknowledge it. And so then they always turn it around and the other yes. person who, whose feelings were hurt ends up somehow apologizing, um, yes. even though yes. they were the ones that were hurt. So I guess, yes. is that like accurate? That's a good way. And I will say one more thing. Sorry. Just keep going on this for one more minute is uh, boundaries are another big part yeah. of this. Yeah. So like they yeah. don't want it, to, it's often a red flag. If you find you are having to give in your boundaries or give up your boundaries a lot, or if you get a lot of pushback when you say something you need, that's another sign of that. you mm. might be dealing with a, narcissist yeah i feel like yeah go ahead no no no. finish i was gonna make a joke about that what is that comedian jeff foxworthy you might be a redneck yeah 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 yeah. you might be a narcissist narcissist. yeah (laughs) um well okay so one of the things i'm really interested in picking back up is earlier you said that by being an energy reader and healer it gives you like you called it like a 3d model Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and like Leanne and I are big proponents of therapy and things like that. And so like, I'm curious, like, what is that additional component of like bringing energy work into it? Yeah. So therapists may find this, um, to be an intrusive way to do it, but basically instead of spending a lot of time, um, talking about, I mean, there is time for talking, but instead of like ruminating over where did this happen or I don't know why I'm feeling this and then just kind of sitting with it and coming to it on your own, which there is a lot of value in that. I love therapy. Don't want to say like, you know, but with the work I do, if somebody is open, I can usually most of the time see the core wound so I can see 
Um, like, let's say you're in a relationship or you keep having a series of relationships with somebody with the same kind of person and you don't know why you keep doing that. I can look into the energy to see the source of why you might be doing that or, um, you know, even past lives don't come up a ton, but it can be helpful. That can happen like a pat, an energy pattern in your past, um, yeah, so that's what I mean. It's like seeing the picture. I say call them pictures, but it's also like the beliefs, the pat, the energy patterns that are making you repeat old traumas mm -hmm. over and over. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, yeah, sorry, go I, ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I can de-energize it, but there's the reason I also love teaching inner child healing is because it helps people to heal it on their own. So it's not like. Um, you know, you're not dependent on somebody to like, well, clear this out for me. It's like, no, you can do that energy healing through this communication and connection to your inner child. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Yeah, so, yeah, I, mean, I was just going to ask that, right? I think both of us have a high deal of awareness of the wounds of the inner child wounds mm. and have done a lot of work in various modalities, but you know, what is the way that sort of you help people? Like once you're aware of like, oh yeah, that's my yeah. inner child stuff. Like, what do you do with it? Yeah. So the idea is that our core self is our love is loving, compassionate, has more of a, um, not a myopic view. So any inner child mm. wound is always going to be very myopic and very, is it stuck? It's literally stuck and I'm saying literally correctly, like it's stuck in the past. Like it really is. Sometimes when I will connect to my inner child, like the other day I was, she was very caught. One part was very caught up in something my mom had done. And I was like, she's dead. <laughs> my mom is dead. Mm. And, and I literally, I saw this inner child part go, what? Like was very surprised. So there's parts of us that don't know like oh there's actually an adult present that's in the present time that is compassionate that is safe that is available to heal the wounds that um that your parent maybe couldn't or whoever was involved couldn't so it's a matter it's kind of a when for instance in my class i start with growing the inner parent growing that part of ourselves that is um, that is compassionate and can see the whole picture and just growing that part so that it's the loudest voice that you're hearing. Because many times when we're triggered, we end up going into, we merge with whatever inner child part is coming up and we don't have mm -hmm. that separation. So it's about creating that separation. It, it's kind of funny to put it this way, but it's like creating the separation so that then you can integrate it. Mm -hmm. And so it feels more integrated with who you are as opposed to this kind of satellite that's holding all this pain within you. When you bring the love of the inner parent to that part, then it can grow, it can feel safe, it can actually work for you instead of working against you. You can also work with it. So how do you do it? There's many ways you can journal like as the inner child and then take a breath and connect to the inner parent and respond from that place. Um, there's certain meditation. You can imagine pulling that part out of you. And then again, the root has to be in the inner parent. So you have to have that strong grounding. Otherwise, many times it can just be 
basically the inner child talking to the inner child and you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to help you much if you're, you're not going to really feel the relief that you'll feel when you're really integrating it with the inner parent. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's, it's sort of, so when, when we get triggered by certain things in our lives, like we become the inner child, like yeah, that part exactly. takes over, right? And we either tantrum or we feel very afraid and powerless because that's how we felt as a kid or whatever. Yeah. And so I like what you're saying is like, so first, like learn to observe that yeah. and identify that so that you yeah. don't get caught by it. Yeah. And then like kind of this, you're like sort of parenting that part of yourself and sort of, and, and then that's the reintegration and the, and cause it's, yeah. it's cut off, right? Like that's where, that's why it's a problem. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I often say like the biggest pain that we feel is actually the separation from ourselves mm. to a part of ourselves. We think it's like separating from somebody else maybe, but it's really that we feel separate from ourselves. There's an inner child part that feels alone and scared or absorbed in all of these feelings and it's not connected to our true selves. Mm. So that's why that integration is so powerful because we feel like, oh, okay. I'm back with myself. And that lonely, anytime we feel, not just anytime we feel lonely, you can feel lonely in a healthy way. But if it's, if you're feeling lonely because you're not with somebody that's not being kind to you or something like that, that's because we are rejecting ourselves in that moment. We're separating mm-hmm. from ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Like I believe in, so I see a, a relational psychoanalyst. And so like, that's sort of how we work a lot is like oh. understanding the childhood stuff. And um, yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because whenever people talk to me and you get into a conversation about like, you know, what, you know, things that they can't overcome in their life or whatever. And they, and sometimes I'll be like, yeah, you know, it goes back to like, I had these things happen to me in my early twenties, or this happened to me when I was a teenager, or this is, I'm this way because of my divorce. There's this little voice inside of me that's like, no, no, no. That was like maybe the first or second or third echo of the actual wound that happened when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, But I, I, I don't like put that on people, but I think it. (laughs) You're like every person that comes to you, like, actually, let me, let me inner yeah. child explain to you. <laughs> yeah, like you're wrong about yourself. So <laughs> let me tell you what it really is. I mean, maybe you can ask them if they're open to hearing what you really, what oh, you're thinking about that. Idea. Because if they do resonate with it, you would be helping them. It's true. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but yes, like sometimes that's what I'll do. If it's someone that okay. I have a, a strong relationship with and a lot of trust and I'll be like, well, like, yeah, have you. Like, was there ever a time where you felt that dynamic, like earlier in your life? And like a lot of people say yes. You know? I feel yeah. like you've inner child explained to me before. <laughs> I, I want so badly for you to give yourself so much love and compassion. Oh, yeah, it's hard when you yeah. aren't used to doing that. I mean, I talk about that, too. It's like in my class, it's like building. I had to build a blueprint for what does that even look like? to be kind to myself. Like, I I was like, what does that even mean to love myself? It felt so foreign to me. Yeah. So, but you can do it. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can, so like within that inner child stuff. So I, I haven't done a ton of inner child work because, so I've been, I was in therapy 
with my previous therapist for like seven years and we never did any inner child work. And I just don't think it was her specialty. And plus a lot of the, um, a lot of the first few years with her, like was really just me working through very present trauma. Um, and so we didn't really get there. And then I ended up breaking up with her because we didn't <laughs> align on certain things and it was time mm-hmm. for me to move on. Mm-hmm. And then I found a relational psychoanalyst who mm-hmm. then was, I couldn't afford to keep going to her. Um, yeah. And I, I decided and actually in the DM that um, your client and our listener said to me is she stopped doing the work for a little bit mm-hmm. of, um, of the like child work. No, the therapy work of oh, like, okay you know, and focusing more on her own kind of inner child awareness. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she said that your workshop was such a big part of that. I guess what, what I'm kind of curious about, and maybe this is just very circular, but like, I know that I tend to find myself in the same cycle of the same relationship, mm-hmm. with the same mm-hmm. person, my, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was the same, is the same as my ex-husband was, is the same as my two ex-boyfriends, guys that I meet always end up ghosting or abandoning me. And and this isn't always, I mean, sometimes I run too. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Somebody's (laughs) running. I know, somebody's running. (laughs) But but I would say that I the my longest relationships, I've always been abandoned. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I guess like I know that a lot of that is inner child. But I also feel like my ex-husband, like our divorce was such a traumatic time of my life yeah. that that's at the forefront too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I wonder like, how do we break <laughs> that cycle? Because I've done, I've done dating coaching programs. I've done therapy. I've done, um, I've had like a couple medium readings mm-hmm. um, and I do feel like I'm healing. I'm on that path, but I'm still yeah finding myself attracted to the same type of person, yeah. you know, um, in the same type of situation yeah. and it hurts. It's, it's very painful. Yeah. Well, I would love to tell you there's like a magic bullet for this, you know, a magic potion, but you know, it, from my experience, sometimes you can find the thing that really works for you and really clicks for you. For me, it really was these two things in combination. So it wasn't even one thing. So I can tell you how I think that inner child healing would help with this. Like from my perspective, I, you know, internally, I'm like, you have to do this. It's gonna, you know, but I also know maybe it won't, you know, because maybe that's not the thing for you. And there, in a way that's, great because that means that there's so many, I mean, it's not great that it won't help, but it's great (laughs) that there's so many things out there, you know, that, that could potentially help. But, um, to me, I do feel like it sounds like if you are getting abandoned a lot, and I will just say, it's not your fault, you know, this doesn't make you responsible for their actions. But if you are finding that to me, that does seem like there is that little girl part of you, there is at least one part that feels that she's not worthy, that you're not really metaphorically looking in her eyes and saying like, 
oh my God, I am here for you. I'm never going to leave you. I am here no matter what you do. I love you. I present with you like mm. where you where she really feels that in a consistent way because it would surprise me if you said i have this really strong connection with myself where i know when this happens i'm always i know how worthy i am it would surprise me now maybe that's <laughs> true but i'd be really surprised if that was true and you kept being um yeah you kept finding that interesting if a guy was like that I know you're smiling over here because well, this is kind of like I, I told you so much. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm not having an I told you so much. What I actually I love about what you just said, Natasha, is because you highlighted, I think, a really important and really difficult aspect of this kind of work, which is that a lot of people, when you think about like parenting the inner child, the first way we attempt to do that is to be like, I hate this part of me that is needy. Yes. Or that, you know, uh, like for me, it's like always like runs away from relationships and can't mm. tolerate closeness and whatever. Mm. And like, so, so then the adult, like sort of rational cognitive part of us is like, I have to, how do I get rid of this part of me? Exactly. Right. And the answer is the opposite, right? That's how do I right. actually like love and accept and reintegrate this part of me so that it stops sort of sabotaging? Oh my God. You guys, I just saw this movie, The Adam Project. Have you? It just came out with Ryan Reynolds. I swear to God, now you really can't see me. Okay. With De it just came out like on Friday, and it's basically an inner child movie. And I just, I, this isn't a spoiler. I mean, only on like an emotional level, but it's really not. I don't think it's a spoiler. But basically, he, Ryan Reynolds, time travels and he meets his, um, 12 year old self and they spend the whole movie together and Ryan Reynolds is really kind of an asshole to his 12 year old self the whole time. Mm. Um, and this isn't a plot spoiler. So, okay. I'm just going to say this. It makes me so emotional, but he looked at him and he said at the ending, he said um, it, something like it turns out he's like, I spent my whole life hating you. And it turns out you were the best part of me the whole time. Mm. Oh my god! I know. We need to go see that movie. I know we do. It's on Netflix, I think, or it's on. Oh, Hulu. we need to just sit down and watch it. Yeah, count yeah, us in. It might be on Hulu. Oh my god! It really made me emotional. But anyway, that is. I'm saying that to prove your point. Like, there's parts of ourselves that we hate, including the inner critic, you know, but all of our parts mm. are actually want our best. Like the, even with what I was talking about with the narcissist before, when people have these parts that, um, you know, are, they're just fiercely trying to protect them from feeling any pain. So even the inner critic part of us feels this way. Mm. Um, but also, I just want to say that. Why are you laughing? Oh, because we both went like this. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing is, I really do think that energy healing helps with this, too. Um, because like I said, when I was with that other guy that wasn't healthy for me, that was really anxious avoidant. Sounds like maybe you have that quality, too. It's like he would. But it, 
in a worse way because he would come in and like take high energy and then he'd leave and I would feel terrible. Um, so energy healing really does help with that too for clearing out like the echoes and that old self-worth pictures that you're ready to let go of already. Mm. So it, you can do that and you can do it very simply with yourself um, by just filling up with light. Light is actually really, really powerful. It sounds so simple, but if you fill up with light and intend to release anything that isn't yours and calling your energy back to you helps fortify you. Mm-hmm. So those are other things that you can be doing, but really it, do you feel that that's not true? I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel you have a strong relationship like with yourself when someone ghosts you that you're there for yourself? What, who were you saying was anxious avoidant? Oh, Jared. Okay. Yes. Cause I also feel like I'm anxious avoidant, but maybe okay. I'm just anxious. <laughs> oh, well, if somebody is ghosting you and you want them back, I to me, that feels like anxious attachment. Like, where are you? Like, if it brings up your like need to. Well, I definitely, I definitely have that. Yes. And then there's the other side of me that if someone is there, and they're like in, then I'm out. Yeah. So it sounds like you have both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it also sound to me, that sounds like um, that part of you is scared. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds so obvious, yeah. but like it's scared. I'm just kind of tuning into the energy. I'm not being invasive. I promise. But no, 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 it's fine. Come on yeah. In. no, analyze us. <laughs> Come yeah. On in. yeah. Give us all you got. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It just feels to me like that part is like, Oh, I need this person to be okay. And then once they're there, it's like, like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like yeah. in the beginning, I'm like, oh, I don't know what they're going to, I'm going to lose them. They're going to ghost me. And then yeah. they're like, Hey, I'm here. And then yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause that part feels to me like it's, oh my God, really what it is, even though it will maybe consciously feel like they're gross or they're annoying or whatever, what's really happening is this feeling of they're going to see me and then they're going to hate me. They're going to, and then they're going to leave me. Yeah. So it really does come back to the abandonment thing, ultimately, both sides of it. Yeah, it really does. And and I've noticed that about myself because with my two ex-boyfriends, what happened is it's like a three-week mark for me. Oh, that's short. I know. And and I'm like kind of anxious in the beginning. I'm like, am I going to hear from them? Are they going to be there? Are they just using me for sex? And then they're like, hey, like I really like you. And then all of a sudden I'm not as attracted. I think they're annoying. I'm coming up with all of the reasons why um, they're wrong for me, why we're not going to be together. And so then what I do is I push them away. And then once they've gotten hurt, then I'm like, oh, wait, come come back. back. I think I'm ready for you. And then I'm crazy anxious. Like yeah, that they're crazy. gonna leave again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, that really feels it's just the same little girl part that thinks that she if she stops for a second, somebody's gonna leave her. Mm-hmm. And then when they're there, it, it's still the same thing, even though it feels like gross, they're gross, they're annoying. Ugh, why are they even here? Ugh. Even though it feels like that, what's really happening is this fear of being seen. I really, that's what it feels like to me. So I think what you can do if that happens again is 
first understand this has nothing to do with them. The, especially, it might be more easy to feel that when you're feeling anxious. Eh, maybe both are difficult to feel depending on the situation. But And then tuning into that part and... Um, and saying, like, what do you need? What's going on for you right now? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, talking to that part instead of it being about, oh, I either have to leave or I have to get them to stay. Mm-hmm. Once you hear yourself doing that, you can know, oh, that is that part. That's that little girl part trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. she's never going to figure it out. Yeah. Like, the adult is the one who has to figure it out. Mm. Yeah. And, and I actually, so because I've become so much more aware of it and I'm, I am trying to rewire, you know, I'm trying to rewire my brain so that I'm not as attracted to avoidant men and Mm -hmm. can attract more secure men. Cause that's really what I need is I need someone who's really secure, but I'm not attracted to them yet. And, um, I actually, I have, um, we're going to talk about this in the intro, but I have a, someone that I'm seeing right now very casually and I decided to make it casual to protect myself. And, but also like, there's really not a future. Like we both know that there's an age gap and we want to go different ways and he wants kids and I don't. So we know there's not a future, but we're both kind of in this place. We're like not wanting to be in a serious relationship. And so we've agreed mutually it's casual, which I've never been able to do. Um, And I, three weeks, And I started feeling the same thing. I felt like he all of a sudden, like really liked me. Uh And even if it's a, even even with a casual relationship um, and I, all of a sudden I was like, okay, wait, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, and so what we did is we got together, we went on a walk and I just communicated where I was at. I was just like, Hey, I want you to know, Mm -hmm. like, I, I'm freaking out a little bit and it has nothing to do with you. And I think what I need is I need a little space and I need to take sex off the table right now. And I did just you need- tell him that stuff was coming up. Yeah. The- oh, you did. Okay. And I then did. How did and, you feel? Yeah. And so he, so his response was, um, he's like, okay. He's like, I, I can be patient. He's like, I, I like whatever you need. And, um, and he's like, and I value you as a friend. And so I want you to be in my life, whether we continue this or not. And, you know, like, basically I hear you out. And how did that make you feel? Were you then attracted to him again? Yes. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the other part of the, like the healing doesn't have to only come from you to you like if you're because you did all of that from the adult you had that conversation from the adult and if you had had that conversation from the inner child that was feeling threatened then you well you wouldn't have even been able to have that conversation you would have just been like uh i don't want you know i I can't meet sorry or whatever you would have ghosted him or done something along those lines and then you would have it wouldn't have changed, but because you came to it from your whole self and then he met, he sounds very mature and was able to like, he, what he's, this is a good example of not gaslighting and not crossing boundaries. He's like, Mm. I respect your boundaries. I hear you. This is what you're feeling. And this is, and so that is like true connection 
where you felt it, but it didn't freak out your inner child because the inner adult was there stating what you needed, setting those boundaries. So she didn't feel, she meaning the inner child, didn't feel threatened and like, oh my God, he's going to see me and I'm going to be alone and I'll be a target. You had mm. your own inner support. So you supported yourself. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it does make me a little like, well, I mean, if you, I was just going to say about the casual nature, because this is, these are very intimate conversations you're having yeah. and they are like, that's how you grow together as a couple. You don't have to, obviously. I mean, you see how you feel, but. Well, and that's interesting because it's like I, he's probably the most secure guy that I've ever had any relationship with. Um, and he's 10 years younger, which is mm. crazy. He's like very mature, holds space for me. He called me. I told Jared um, he called me one time to tell me that something I said bothered him. This is great. No guy has ever done that. They always just hold it against me and then resent me for it. Uh, I you wish know? he didn't want children. I know. I, well, I wish he was 10 years older. <laughs> well, you know what? My husband is eight years younger than me and he he's great. So you can't go by. I mean, he's like very mature, especially yeah. at that age. When I met him, he was 26 and he was more mature than I was. Yeah. Well, he's 25 and he wants four kids. Oh, well, that's the problem. <laughs> and I'm 35 and wouldn't even be able to produce four kids. <laughs> right. Well, you could, if you had wanted kids, you could adopt them. But, yeah, that's true. But you yeah. don't want them. And that's. Yeah. Well, but I, this is a great sign, though, because you're getting a lot of practice in mm -hmm. being in the inner adult and communicating your needs and so who, whenever you are ready for the next one, that sounds like you, this sounds very healthy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I love that you told him that, that you were freaking out and like where it's, where it came. This is great. Sorry. What were you going to say? Jared? I was going to say, Jared, what are your thoughts? Cause I know you kind of have the same thing where you feel like you need to kind of express it and then when the person kind of holds space for you then you're yeah. immediately like okay i can move forward yeah and i think yeah that, it's really interesting to think about like where in my inner child stuff like that comes from for me because i guess the way i experience it is um getting really excited about somebody and and uh and i feel like i'm really good at that part like holding space and like getting to know someone and like sharing myself with someone. And then it's like, oh no, now we're here. And, and I think for many years, like you're saying, Natasha, like I, the conscious experience I had was like, oh no, this person likes me more than I like them. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm, and I, I sort of really projected it on like, I'm going to reject and hurt them. But really, I think it's like, you oh no, if I like really let myself yeah. trust and fall and like need this person and want them, um, then I'm going to be fucked. Like I'm going to be yeah. in bad shape, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and then I would sort of dance backwards out of the room. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like, you know, yourself very well. 
Uh, yeah, but it still hasn't led to any change. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, no. I mean, actually, it has. It's so interesting when you were talking about that larger part of ourselves. And this is going to get really weird, um, <laughs> but I threw a lot of therapy and through um, a lot of meditation I've done in the past few years. And I think during the pandemic, like sort of slowing down and more quiet and more yeah. solitude in my life. Mm. Um, I felt this connection for the first time to that aspect of myself at, at 40 really. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it feels like the, the way I see it in my head, this is the part that's going to get weird and sort of silly is like, there's like this like glowing green heart that's like in a cave. Yeah. And it's like these like little roots are like sort of reaching out and like, kind of like connecting to it. And now, like, what I want to do is just, like, strengthen that connection and, like, have it is be, Is like, the green glowing heart the bigger part of yourself? Yeah. Oh, okay. And the, where yeah. are the roots going? Into I think, who you, the rest of you? Yeah. Oh, Into, like, okay. the part of myself that I've always, like, lived from, which is, mm -hmm. like, in my head and, like, very yeah. anxiety-based and, like, trying to manage everything yes. around me and, like, kind yes. of predict and control and, like, yes. whatever because of fear, right? Yeah. Um, And so now I just want to be, like, connected to that still, calm, secure, centered, yeah, loving part of myself. Well, I do just want to say, like, when we are anxious, we are cut off from our bodies, the wisdom of mm -hmm. our bodies. We're cut off from our higher self, from our true self from our inner parent. So that's another thing you can do right away when you're feeling anxious is just simply breathe into your body, connect to the rest of you, because that anxiety brain part, which is a part of you, it is an inner child part, but that doesn't have the answers. And we think it does. We yeah. think, oh, if I just think about this enough, then I'm going to be safe. Then I'll figure it out. But mm -hmm. really the answer is in coming back into that bigger part of you and that glowing green heart, you know, sometimes if you're doing this work and you're talking to parts of yourselves and you even say like, okay, I talked to this inner child part. Is there anyone else here? Sometimes it shows up with stuff like that, mm. like not human form, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it could be like a green heart or um, like I have one client who has like this um, dish rag show <laughs> that talks to her. Yes. It's like just another part. It comes out looking like that. So our, we have, there's, that's why I was saying before, there's so many options to help ourselves. And, and we are creative when we're centered in like, okay, curiosity, what's coming up as opposed to, ah, I have to control everything. And that control everything is just another inner child part too. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I love this conversation. <laughs> I feel like we could sit and talk for hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. I love talking about this stuff. Natasha, tell us about your workshop because you have a workshop coming up. Um, yeah. So it's how does that, class. yeah, what, tell us a little bit of like how that works. Yeah. So it's a four week class and the first week is developing the inner parent and it's, these are all videos. And then once a week with like meditations that go with it, when you talk about like reprogramming. I have some reprogramming meditations that go with it where you go back and you imagine, oh, what if this happened to me instead? Like you recreate the event because that is, we do get a lot of our information. I mean, actually like 
I think they say something like 96% of our information comes from those first seven years of life. Like we program it all, how Mm. we relate to people, how we feel about ourselves, how do we feel safe? It all comes from that time. So if we can reprogram it, it actually does change how we react and how we feel. So anyway, that's part of it. But the first week is the inner parent. Second week is the inner child and learning how to communicate in all the different ways. Um, The third week is the inner critic. And then the fourth week is the higher self. So we delve into all of um, how to heal it, how to create space for this part of ourselves and connecting to the bigger part of ourselves. That sounds amazing. Where can our listeners go to sign up for your workshop? Yeah. So you can go to highestlighthealing.com. That's my um, the name of my business. And it's going to start April 11th. So you can get on the wait list now. And actually, uh, if you get on the wait list, I have a free masterclass on boundaries. So you can oh, nice. get that and yeah, okay. learn about the class a little. Well, we obviously would encourage our listeners to go do this. Yeah, do it. I think we need to do this. <laughs> um, well, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you. I really loved this conversation. Yeah, it was so nice and so beautiful. And on Instagram, you're at Highest Light Healing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you can, uh, my podcast is Magic Monday, and we talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Um, and also you can come to me for a session to help clear out the energy and see what's going on there. Do you have any last words of wisdom? Hmm. Boy, last I know not to put spot. you on the spot. <laughs> um, I don't know. My big words of wisdom is, I guess I would say to know that when you're feeling triggered or when you're feeling any feeling that's making you feel less than, then that's not your true self. And that's Hmm. just a part. And the more you can remember that, and like you were saying before, Jared, observe it and connect to that true self, that love and compassion, have compassion for all of your feelings that Hmm. will help you. Hmm. beautiful okay natasha well thank you so much for joining us thank you we appreciate you okay guys well natasha we appreciate you so much thank you Mm -hmm. so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your gifts with us yeah and there's all kinds of stuff at her website there's workshops there's guided meditations that you can download and like she said you know like doing individual sessions with her and things like that. So check it out. Yeah. And then follow us on Instagram at Hello by podcast at underscore Leanna Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. We have merch on our website, www.hello by podcast dot sh- or slash shop. Wait, dot com slash shop. Um, <laughs> we have a Patreon where you can become a Patreoni mm-hmm. and we rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts, rate on spotify yep tell a friend tell a friend and thanks for being part of our family dm us every day telling us how much you love us hit, yeah hit us up if you watch joe millionaire <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> all right guys we love you so we'll, we'll see you next week bye bye